and it is causing the price of property real estate in the USA to rocket literally month by month and making it harder for younger folks to get on the, the housing ladder. So as you, you say, this is just building up a big head of steam and some at some point it's going to go pop. Hello and welcome to the Crypto Standard Podcast with me, Jordan. And me, Jim. Where we take the cryptic out of crypto. We're not financial advisors, but we just love the world of crypto and want to make it simple for you to understand. Today's show is sponsored by Zumo, the crypto wallet making it easier than ever to buy, own and sell crypto. Zumo, smart money for everyone. On today's episode, we chat all about the things that have been happening in the crypto world this week and answer some of those common questions we've been receiving. We hope you enjoy this one. Hola, Jordan. Hola. <laughs> Buenos dias, señor. Sí. <laughs> no lo sé. <laughs> no lo sé. Okay. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the Crypto Standard Podcast with me, Jim. And me, Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> and why are we speaking in Spanish accents? Well, you tell them, Jordan. El Salvador have now made Bitcoin legal tender. Wow. Where, can, can you even tell me where El Salvador is? I can tell you it's in South America, but that's as far <laughs> as I can go. <laughs> El Salvador. I, I mean, I think it's like, I don't know, it's tiny. This yeah. tiny little country and it's it's up to its behookie in debt. It's uh, got massive IMF loans. Um, it already trades in the US dollar because its own currency is defunct or worthless. But now... The president of this little country has gone out there and said, boom, we're going to make Bitcoin legal tender. They've put it to parliament, their government, and they've all voted it in. And they've all they all stood there clapping. Yay. <laughs> and all the Bitcoin maxis and all the Bitcoin purists and the Bitcoin saints, they all just went, oh, El Salvador, we're all going to move there. Woo. And they're like, I don't get it. Do you get that? I don't get it. I think it's, they're just trying to make a statement, which is a big statement to make. But being it, being the first country to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender, that will go down in history. And it's it's a smart move for them because, well, yeah, they're, they're in so much debt because they use the US dollar and they don't have their own currency. So Bitcoin could be their own currency. Okay, so they've also come out and said that if you're like a, a normal retailer or a shop, you've got to offer um, Bitcoin services as in take payment in Bitcoin. Um, but if you are, we hose down the farmer's market with a stall and you don't, you're not set up with all that, then it, and you're selling watermelons, then that's okay. You don't have to do it. So they've kind of thought that through for, for um, society. And off the back of that, Paraguay, Panama, uh, Colombia, Brazil are all coming out and saying, hey, maybe we should do that as well. Yeah. Maybe we should think about that. What? What? So you can have like 50,000 Bitcoiners descend on your, your country and drink pina colada. Is that it? I'm <laughs> trying to work out why. Is it? Is it? Is it? Is it because they're like, well, do you know what? We're sick of the IMF, who, by the way, 
have requested a meeting with the president of El Salvador. Oh, really? Because that puts the whole thing, this whole thing in jeopardy because the IMF have controlled them with these loans for years. So they're all thinking, oh, maybe we should have a go at this. Maybe maybe this, there's something in this. Maybe yeah. there is, and in five years' time, we'll know. But right now, I'm thinking, I just think this is the Bitcoin brigade jumping on another bandwagon because they no longer love Elon Musk. Yeah. If Elon Musk was coming out and he still loved Bitcoin and he was saying he was buying more, the Bitcoin price would be rocketing. And right now it's going nowhere. It's going. It's, it's been sitting between 30,000 30, and 36,000 for a month. It's going nowhere. And they're trying to hang their hat in any old peg, Jordan. <laughs> I, I think it's mental that a country can adopt Bitcoin and the price doesn't move. And then Elon Musk does one tweet and the price just rockets. It's it's such a weird concept. Yeah. And I think that I just to me it just shows you what influence El Salvador has. Because it's not as if El Salvador has come out and said, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to buy ten billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. They can't, they've not got any money. <laughs> they, they need someone like Jack Dorsey to come and give them it. So I, I applaud, I applaud the the novel novelty of it, but do I think it's a big thing? I struggle a little bit. Um, however, on the positive side, I have to say that it helps create the crypto adoption. Hundred percent. And if someone from El Salvador was to persuade me, not in the government, that actually here's why this is really good because I can keep my money in Bitcoin. And I can uh, trade and all the rest of it, and I don't. My money doesn't get devalued. But by the same token, okay. So let's say you you were rich and you had one bitcoin, and it's worth a, a month ago it was worth forty five thousand dollars. You're at the mercy of Elon Musk, who can send out some tweets and it drops down to thirty dollars. So is your are you is that not devaluation as well? I just thought I would. I thought I would throw the cat amongst the pigeons in this yeah. one. Instead of coming on and saying "Whoopie do," El Salvador's adopted cryptocurrency and blockchain, and they're now going to they're now going to use heat from volcanoes to mine it and all that. Brilliant! Let's see how it goes. Um, I'm not so sure. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from El Salvador, and I wish them every success, and for hope probably quickly followed by Paraguay. Yeah. There's so many South American countries that are now doing it. I just yeah. feel like it's a revolt against the, the US yes. dollar, which is fair enough because they've been tied to it and they can't really can't really do anything. Um, and this seems like a way out. It might not be useful today, but say 10 years down the line. I, you know what? You're right. It is a revolt and it could be a way out. But that's all wonderful for the bit 50,000 Bitcoin maxis who are all drinking their peanut pina coladas and their Jack Daniels as they splashed the cash around in Miami. Yeah. And the cash they were splashing around was the US dollar. So they're a bit two-faced, I yeah. think, when it comes to that sort of thing. And for them, other countries accepting it, some might say, oh, it's just proven the cause and the religion is spreading. I think it's just so they can get richer. Yeah. Um, because they are what I call, I, I'm now terming Bitcoinists and Bitcoin maxis, the boomer generation, as in the 50 and 60 year olds just now who have done really well in property 
and financial services in the UK over the last 30 years mm-hmm. and are sitting on good pensions and all that sort of thing. And people like you in your 20s, you're not going to have the good pensions and the property's too expensive because they've got all the money and you're waiting for it to be handed down. Yeah. And that's the way I'm viewing Bitcoin maxis and El Salvador just now. So I'm putting that out there just to generate some curiosity amongst the listeners. Yeah. I don't understand why Bitcoin would be used as like day-to-day transactions. That's what, that's the only thing that I can't see will, will actually happen. I think El Salvador is nice for them to do it, but they need to adopt a stable coin and, I think the price action if of Bitcoin is just mad at the moment. You you yeah. like you could go into a shop in El Salvador, get a loaf of bread. But if you think Bitcoin prices is moving ten thousand dollars each day, sometimes like the price action is going to be pretty mad. Yeah, and it's and also it's a difficult one to to deal with. But we have the solution to that, and it's called RSR RSV. Yeah. But we'll come to that another time. <laughs> Okay, moving on to the second news agenda item, which really follows on from this one, in that the com- consumer price index, or really the measure of inflation in the USA, has rocketed to 5%. And that's fresh from yesterday. 5%, the highest the inflation target has ever been since 2008 and the global financial crisis. Now, there was a time when that would happen when people would go, oh my God goodness but Jerome Powell the the top guy the big cheese the head honcho at the American Fed has said uh, I think about three or four months ago we want inflation to run hot as in they wanted to go to five percent because that's they think that's their way of kick-starting the economy again but what it has really done is all that money printing where the the printer goes and it's just millions of dollars of debt's been racked up every day in America just to keep the whole thing going is actually devaluing the dollar. So it's devalues the dollar. And let me give you an example of that concrete. Five months ago, you could buy one, you were getting $1.20-ish for a Great British Pound. It's now $1.42. So you get $1.42 today for your Great British Pound because it's been devalued as a currency. And then that devaluation heads down to El Salvador and Paraguay and whoever's using using the dollar. So maybe, maybe that's El Salvador's way of saying, you know what, we're just going to go to Bitcoin because we don't want to be devalued by you anymore while you have your big houses in the Hamptons. It makes sense because it is. it feels like a lose-lose at the moment with the US yeah. dollar. The inflation is going up, so... People are having to pay more for products and services. And then you've got the money getting printed on the other side. So the money that you're handing over for those products and services are now devaluing. Yeah. And then you've got, I think her name is Elizabeth Warren, Senator yeah. Elizabeth Warren. And actually, basically, she's like the she's like the Jeremy Corbyn of the Labour Party here, right? And she, so she's out there giving it. I think Bitcoin's bad. I think, you know, it's using up too much electricity. It's not good for the environment. And what would happen yesterday, she'd get caught coming off a private jet. Yeah. She's coming off the private jet. She sees the camera in front of her and then she hides behind one of her aides. <laughs> it's just like, you you politicians, just, you're just so up yourselves and you, oh, it's just, anyway. So, look, it's 5% inflation. 
If it was 5% inflation in the UK, the Bank of England would be raising interest rates. It doesn't look like the Federal Reserve is going to raise interest rates because they wanted to run hot. If they do, they've got a problem with the, the bond market. However, that's the result of this money printing. And it's done, it will do two things. It should make hard assets like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency increase in value and become more desirable. And it is causing the price of property, real estate in the USA to rocket literally mm-hmm. month by month and making it harder for younger folks to get on the, the housing ladder. So as, as you, you say, this is just building up a big head of steam and some at some point it's going to go pop. Something's, some, it just feels like something's going to happen. And like, yeah. I don't fully remember 2008. Like yeah. I was fairly young, but it feels like something like that is coming um, again. And I want my money in cryptocurrency when that does happen. Yeah. And if it's any, just to even give that, more perspective in the United Kingdom for the listeners. Um, so I'm currently trying to buy a house around about the Dundee area and the house prices are ridiculous. They are crazy. And when you go to look at a house, it's going on, it used to be maybe take three months, two to three months for a house to go under offer. They're going under offer within 10 days. They're going to closing dates, which means five or six people are going to offer on them within 10 days. And they're talking about 10 to 15. And one estate agent said, you might have to go 20% above the asking price. What? It, it's, that's, that just says all that we are going, this crazy upward debt spiral. And at some point, it won't last. Anyway, let's look at a country on the other side of this planet that we live on called India. What's India doing? Yeah. Well, they've. Uh, it looks like they're changing, changing their mind again on cryptocurrency. No. <laughs> Never. India are now looking to recognize cryptocurrency as an asset, which is total change of tune from, I think, about two months ago where they were trying to ban it. And they tried to ban it. And the the Gen Zs and the millennials all rebelled and said, hold on a minute, you old rich men who've amassed all your money all these years. What about us? This is our turn to try and create generational wealth and, and get on the housing property ladder and all that sort of stuff. And they, they rebelled and the Indian government went, ooh, don't think we like this. Uh, and they've now come out and said that they're going to recognise crypto as a, an asset. So let's see where that goes. I think by banning it or coming out and say they were going to ban it a few months ago, I think they were just trying to buy time to set regulations in place for when yeah. they do recognise it as an asset. And don't discount India. It's the oldest uh, democracy in the world. Um, One billion people. There's massive poverty, but there's massive wealth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, and a very clever, intelligent, well-educated uh, bunch of Gen Zs and millennials coming through who are tech savvy, so that it's a country definitely worth watching. Yeah, and and watching how it treats crypto. Yeah. Okay, this next one, this next news news item blows my mind. <laughs> so Michael Saylor of MicroStrategy, who is was on the Bitcoin conference, got there in his black suit, looking the business, talking the usual, very clever, sophisticated, and articulate. Uh, rhetoric on Bitcoin. Um, he's, a, he's a rocket scientist. He's MIT trained. He, he, he's no dummy. 
uh, and he's already into Bitcoin for billions. He's made good money. But what what did he do? What, so what did he do and what did he get, Jordan? So he's gone out and got another $500 million, $500 million loan. Right. Do you want to explain how he's gone about getting that? Okay, so he went. He goes to the markets and he says, "Look, I'm going to. I want five hundred million dollars off you, and I'm going to give you six point one percent, whatever it is, mm-hmm. for X amount of years. So you give me that money, and I'll give you six percent on it. And at the end of the, let's say it was four years. I haven't read it inside out. I'll give you your money back, or you can have the upside on the Bitcoin price. I am going to put one hundred percent of that cash into Bitcoin." And solely Bitcoin. So he goes out for his four or five hundred million, and what does he get? He got offered one point six billion. Whoa! Whoa! So, yeah, so, whoa. his initial one was four hundred million, and he's just been offered one point six billion. So the the investor community in America have said, "We'll love it." Yeah, you give us a six percent. We can get our money back, so there's no real downside for us because you can't get 6% anywhere right now. And if Bitcoin doubles in price, which you keep saying it is, Michael, it's going to go to the stars, then we cannot lose. Very much. <laughs> and this is investment funds and pension funds and um, private uh, equity houses. So he'll do that. He's done it before. He's given them a t- terrific rate of return. Um, and he'll, he'll gobble up even more Bitcoin and get it off the market. Yeah, I think I was reading, has he got 100,000 Bitcoin now? Yeah, he had about 92,000 and this will take him way over. Massive. And because it's come down to 30 odd thousand from the 60 it was at, he's he's winning a watch as well. It's a bargain. It's a bargain, 30,000. Okay, so Michael Saylor um, from MicroStrategy, he's a pioneer in Bitcoin. He's leading the way. He's unafraid. He's unequivocal. He's totally convicted. Um, and the Bitcoiners love him. So good luck to you, Michael Saylor. Next up, Jack Dorsey. Who's Jack Dorsey? Yeah, so Jack Dorsey, he's he's getting, I would say he's on the same level as Michael Saylor now. And he is one of the big dogs in Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And he just wants to progress it. Um, as much as possible and help with the world adoption of Bitcoin. For people who don't know, he is the co-founder and CEO of Twitter and Square as well. Square is obviously heavily invested in Bitcoin. And he's actually, in the conference, he came out and said it was something like, I don't think there's anything more important in my life than to be working on Bitcoin which is a huge statement. And he actually said he would step away from Twitter and Square to work on Bitcoin if that was necessary, which is, that's huge. This multi-billionaire would step away from his businesses to work on this one cryptocurrency. Yeah, so he he really believes in it. He's convicted and he's probably got a shed load of it. (laughs) He could probably walk away from all the hassle at Twitter and all the hassle at Square and live, live, go and live in El Salvador as a multi-multi-billionaire with all his Bitcoin and not pay ca- any capital gains tax. In fact, they could just buy the country while he's at it. <laughs> and pay, off, pay off the IMF loans. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, that, that's big news that, that Jack Dorsey's um, really nailing his colours to the mast as a Bitcoiner. Mm-hmm. And he's the kind of guy that the Bitcoin maxi people out there right now are looking for because they thought it was going to be Elon Musk and he turned out to be not the white knight. So Jack has just swooped on in there and giving it, I'll be that Superman, yeah. get me the cape. I am Bitcoin. Da, 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 da. So, um, and the good thing about Jack Dorsey is he seems to be a guy that gets things done. Yeah. A really strong entrepreneur. So again, so that's good luck to Michael Saylor and good luck to Jack Dorsey and what you're doing, because what you are doing as far as I guess Jordan and I are concerned is you're promoting cryptocurrency and blockchain globally and you're putting your weight behind it and your money and your resource and that's a good thing yeah next up did you see that phenomenal conference that took place in zurich this week with the guest speaker jim duffy did you see see that yes it was the bitcoin satoshi vision conference bsv which is a coin um and i was on a couple of panels giving it the big the big, as you say, the big dog. Um, but what I noticed from the Bitcoin Satoshi Vision conference was it was very dignified and it was very businesslike and there was no swearing. There was no F this and F that and F Elon. Um, there was no, I'm the big dog and I'm on the stage with a white suit. Look at me, Max Kaiser. There was none of that. It was really all about creating solid blockchain and bringing businesses, big businesses, corporates into that to use it in a very clever uh, way that helps enterprise. I thought it was a great conference. And one of the things I learned this week um, is that Bitcoin SV or Bitcoin Satoshi Vision is super secure, is super fast, is cheap to use, and it is the, the blockchain that the banks and financial services industry like because it's got zero, almost zero fraud and zero scams on it. So um, fraudsters or scammers or money launderers do not use this for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it's, it seems to be quite a clean and pure blockchain. So that I was really interested in finding that out. And again, while the Miami one was all a bit riotous and a bit crazy and full of drinks and whatever else we're doing, um, the BSV one was held in Zurich. And it was good to have that kind of European flavor to it as well. And it's because sometimes you just think, oh, Bitcoin is America and la di da di da and gung ho. Whereas there's a whole there's a whole world out there that's, that's that likes cryptocurrency and digital assets. And I think we've always got to be mindful of that. Yeah, I, I feel like the difference between the two conferences was that the one in Miami was more a celebration on yeah. what Bitcoin has done and just meeting up and partying. I wasn't there, so I don't know. Obviously, there was great guest speakers, and but this one felt more about like trying to drive innovation for the yeah. future and what is what is coming in the future. Yeah. And it's not not just uh, going to the bar and yeah. just drinking and talking Bitcoin. Yeah. See, you could put much behind the, the bar and become a poster boy and a fanboy. This was far more business-like, so I really liked it. So well done to Jimmy Nugent and his team for what I thought was a great conference. Yeah. So we we wrap up there. I've been a bit cynical today. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of you know, interrogating yeah. Bitcoin a little bit. 
Um, I think it's always good as a as a podcasting journalist. You, you're a podcasting journalist, Jordan, aren't you? Oh, wow, I've never had it. Never been told yeah. that before. Yes. I just, yes, I just run a wee, wee podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I was referred to at the conference as a podcasting journalist. I thought, I'm going to use that oh. title in a CV. Yeah, <laughs> change my LinkedIn. <laughs> I know, podcasting journal. Next up, we'll go through some of the questions you guys have been sending in to us and we'll try and answer them in the best way we can. But first, a little word about Zumo. Imagine being able to use one wallet to buy, store, and even exchange your crypto into pounds, which can then be spent online. That's exactly what Zumo have built. And what makes it better? It's very simple to navigate. To open your own wallet, just head over to the link in our show notes below. Right, back to the episode. So we've had a lot of questions, folks, from you on the hello at crypto-standard.co.uk. And you can always catch us there. Um, and Jordan's catching up with some um, today. You've asked us questions and we're going to try and answer them. So we've got six or seven here today. Uh, rather than us just uh, blabber on about stuff or pick a topic. So the topic today is your questions. So the first one we've got is what is decentralization? You have in the United Kingdom, you have the central bank. That kind of says, oh, the central bank. And from the central bank, <coughs> fiscal and, and financial policies and money and all that all goes down to the investment banks and the retail banks. Then there's banking charters and if I want to pay you 20 bucks, so let's say I owe you 20 quid, I, I get my card out or I go into my app and I ping it to you, but it's got to go through the bank who have got the custody charge and care of my money, and then it hits you. Mm-hmm. So I don't actually pay you directly. The bank, there's a third party involved, sometimes even more. So the decentralized bit, as you say, is peer-to-peer. So... If I owe you £20, I just basically ping it to you so I can take my Zumo wallet to your Zumo wallet, find you in my contacts and ping you either £20 or £20 worth of Bitcoin or Ethereum, whatever you prefer. And that, that decentralised world is what cryptocurrency enthusiasts and advocates want to see more of. That's why there's the kind of kill the banks, get rid of the banks, the banks are bad. Um, sort of themes going on yeah it's because each transaction they also take a fee they'll take a cut so that's a big reason why people want decentralized finance but let but let me um, but for, for for people who are listening to this who may have family working in banks or financial services or working at themselves i don't think it's all bad and here's why so this week I made a transaction where I took money from Hotbit. Now Hotbit is a the exchange, uh, and I took my money and I transferred it to my wallet, and it cost me sixty quid or th- for, I think it was forty quid. And I looked at it and I thought to myself, "Hold on a minute." So I contacted them and I just that was basically these are our fees. And then if you look at Coinbase. And you do transactions on Coinbase. It ain't cheap. So I don't want people to think that banks are expensive 
and crypto is cheap because it ain't. Because once you start moving a lot of crypto around, the exchanges have then got you. You're the cap. You're the captured market, and because there's not a lot of exchanges just now, they are they are pricing themselves as far as I'm concerned out the market. So decentralization may be a good thing in that we've got more control of our money and our information and our data, but I don't want the, the audience to think that, oh, if I go there, it'll be really cheap with one exception that I've noted. And what is that exception, Jordan? Cardano? Correcto. <laughs> Cardano is the cheap, you can, you can move literally millions of pounds if you have it on the Cardano blockchain and it costs peanuts. Whereas if you're using other things, and, and I, I guess moving forward, if you were to talk take decentralization to the next level, if I had my Cardano stored on my whichever wallet, Yoroi or Daedalus or um, whatever Cardano wallets emerge in the future, and then from there I've got my cards on it and I'm able to transact, and that's cheap. That now that is a cheap blockchain. And that's the one that could beat the banks and, and exchanges. Yeah, because that, that blockchain is fully decentralized now. But yeah. if you think think of exchanges as like the banks of the crypto yeah. world, like they will take a cut still because they are centralized. But you've got cryptocurrencies that are fully decentralized, which means I can just send from my wallet to your wallet and it costs me like pennies pennies and and i think that's the way that's that's the beauty of decentralization and let's see where that goes because if i don't need to you the day i don't need to use a digital exchange i will not use it yeah because if you think about coinbase coinbase is now owned by wall street it's on the nasdaq so it has to make profit so the reason it the only way it makes profit is by charging us cash so Think all these things through, folks. I don't want you to think crypto is just what a what wonderful la-la land. There's a lot going on there. And whenever there's money and lots of money to be made, people will try and rinse it. Okay, yeah. next question. What wallets do you use and why? Jordan, would you like to tell the, the your, what's your favorite wallet? Well, it's a tricky one. So uh, I use multiple different wallets for okay. multiple different cryptocurrencies, but if we're going to pick a favorite, like it's going to have to be Euroi just because I get paid and I get my Cardano rewards through that. So Euroi, I stake all of my Cardano on. So you're going for Euroi? I'm going for Euroi. What are you going to go for? Okay. So like you, I think it would be wrong just to say I have a favorite wallet because I think wallets are emerging as well. Yeah. Um. So I, I like my Zumo because it's safe, it's um, cheap. I've got my card on it. It's really easy to use. So the Zumo app is easy to use. And yes, they sponsor the podcast, um, but it's, it's a very simple one. And there's going to be more coming to that. The second one that, believe it or not, is so easy to use is Coinbase. I cannot knock the Coinbase wallet. After saying a Coinbase exchange is expensive, the wallet is really good and very secure. One of the ones I've been um, impressed with is Crypto.com. The Crypto.com wallet is also pretty easy to use. It seems secure, quick enough. So again, but these are these are our wallets that we have investigated, interrogated, found out about, 
done a bit of diligence on um, and new wallets are coming all the time. There's Exodus, there's Abra, uh, there's Bo Bottle Pay. There's tons of wallets out there that are being created. Um, so I guess you just got to find one that you work, works for you and works for this, the way that you want to use crypto. Yeah, exactly. Like some, some are desktop and some are for Android and iOS. So yeah. it depends if you want to be have it on your phone or on your desktop or if you want to just keep it in cold storage as we talked about with uh ledger so it's it's totally what you feel comfortable with and yeah what works for you yeah but the day i think the day will come probably within the next 24 months <clears throat> where one or two companies will create a fabulous wallet that literally acts like a bank account it's got your Bitcoin, your RSR, your Cardano, your Chainlink, your Ethereum, your Great British Pounds, your US dollars, your Japanese yen. You can have all of that in it. Yeah. And it will, from different things, you'll be able to pay your bills. So you pay your, pay your gym membership, pay your mobile phone, pay your electricity bill. Uh, and, and then you go to a restaurant and I can split the bill with you. And you can say, well, I'm, I'm actually really, my Ethereum's doing well, so I'm going to pay my 20 quid out of Ethereum, Jim. Um, I'll just pay, pay mine out of my, my great British pounds. That's all coming. Yeah. That whole new financial way of working. Um, so I would, I guess the question, I guess the answer to that is there's no one wallet right now that we both worship. Yeah. The, I, we use so many different ones at the moment, but as you said, as cryptocurrency gets more and more adopted, it's going to get narrowed down, I think. And there's going to be a couple just main ones. Okay. This is some question. <clears throat> oh, if you were to recommend one crypto, Jordan, what would it be? <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is the one where you recommend it on the podcast. <laughs> put money into it and then to try and find you five years later and bury yeah. you in a hole. Um, this is a hard one. This is so tricky. And I would never, I would never recommend a crypto to anyone else just because you need to do your research and you need to have that passion for the crypto or the cryptocurrency. I, I've got my set ones that I've got passion for because I've researched them and I, I believe in what they're trying to build. I, I don't really look at the price anymore now. Like, I just look at what, what's updating and what's to come in the future. So recommending a crypto is it's a very tricky one. What would you say to that? So I'm going to recommend the crypto. Oh, wow. So I'm not going to recommend it. Let me use the language correctly. I'm going to tell you about the cryptocurrency that I am investing a lot of my net worth in just now. I have done the due diligence on it. I'm finding out more and more about it all the time. I'm watching what the team are doing. Um, and that crypto is reserve. And the token is RSR, reserve mm. rights. So that's the one for me, and it might not suit anyone else. It's essentially an app, and we've discussed it on here, that people in, currently in Venezuela can download and they can use, they can put their bolivars on it and they can use that as a hedge against inflation. And only this week, the team at um, Reserve have now gone from released an extra two invites per per app user so that will triple where they're going to go 
they've come out and stated that they're caught, they're now confident and that the technology can scale and they've got the resource in place and they're no longer sitting there in stealth mode and they're going to go for it. So it's currently about two and a half pence. And at two and a half pence, I think you talk, used to talk about Fredo bars. I can't mm-hmm. wait for that Fredo bar at two and a half pence to go to 25 pence. <laughs> and my prediction is by the end of 2021, that'll have 10x, 10x. So there's my recommendation to me. You go away <laughs> and do your own diligence, folks. But in terms of a project that one day I know I could jump in a plane and go and visit and see it in action, actually see it in action and do a documentary on people's lives it's reserve um, yeah so that's I'm, I'm nailing my colors to, to the mass not financial advice go away and do your own research boom boom yeah I, I think that's so important that we can give we can say what we're investing in and then anyone who's listening can go and do their own research so yeah i'm mentoring this person and in cryptocurrency and this morning she told me that she'd printed out the white paper for reserve and she was going to yeah. go and read it. And honestly, you should have seen the smile on my face when I heard that, yeah. that she's heard what we, what we are investing in, but then she wants to go and do that research. That's the most so important the, bit. That's brilliant, Jordan. So here's the challenge. The challenge today is after listening to this podcast this weekend, go to the reserve, uh, reserve protocol, download the white paper and read it. Yeah. Download that white paper and, find, and actually find out what they're trying to do and how they're going to do it. Uh, that's the best homework you could do, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. And you know what? See, in a year, if, if the 2.5 pence hasn't gone to 25 pence and it's gone to zero, it means that the, the, the 10,000 pounds or so that I've got in it, I lose it, I lose it. It's, to me, I should just put an extra 10,000 pounds in a car payment. Yeah. Um, so... I don't get the fancy car and I get the Ford. Yeah. <laughs> I want a Skoda Yeti. What? What is a Skoda Yeti? Skoda? Oh, come on now. <laughs> what is wrong with the Skoda Yeti? I keep saying to people, I couldn't fancy a Skoda Yeti 4 before and they look at me as if I've stepped out, come out of the, the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> next one. Okay, the next one up is what does the printer go brr? mean why don't you kick us off on this one so america and the fed prints all this money and it's not necessarily just printing it as in sheets of paper but it's just it's code it's just, they're just adding zeros to balance sheets and it's almost like it was brrr, someone's turning a handle brrr, and all these <laughs> like dollar bills are going pew, 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 pew. it's like helicopter money it's crazy so that's what printer go burr means and we talked about earlier on the CPI or the inflation rate in the last year has ostensibly brought on by the pandemic has gone up to 5%. Did you not have a stat on how many dollars have been printed? Yeah, this blew my mind. So last year, one in five dollars were created. So that's $3.4 trillion were printed. So if you think the whole supply of US dollars... yeah. One in five of them were printed last year in one That's, year. And so, so the whole surprise since the, since the US dollar was was created in the last year, twenty percent of that has, has taken place. Yeah, in one year. Now you know what printer <laughs> goes brrr means, doesn't it? Yeah, 
and wow. that there has to be consequences for that there yeah. has to be and the great thing is that i won't have to pay those but because i'm i'm I'll be dead in a few years' time. But you, <laughs> as a 20-year-old, you're going to have to deal with those consequences for the next 30 years. <laughs> and the fact that you and your generation are now so aware of it means that you can you can take a stand. Because we didn't take a stand. We yeah. were quite happy just to be led by governments. Okay. Well, here's this is a cracker. Why is crypto so crazy? Why is it so crazy? <laughs> yeah, fair. I mean, <laughs> it's crazy. I'll tell you why crypto is so crazy. Because it's so young. We've had pounds and dollars for over 100 years. We've had central banks growing. We've had banks. We've had financial services. We've had mortgages. We've had pensions. That's what we're used to. And it's all done in a certain specific way with different practices and regulation. Cryptocurrency and ostensibly Bitcoin, which was about 12 years old now, it's only 12 years old. It's brand new. It's like a it's like a teenager on hormones, you know. <laughs> Remember, it was it Kev. I'm not going out. It's so, you know that it, it's so new and it's and it's been buffeted and impacted by so many different things that it's up, it's down, and one country likes it, and one country's banning it, and one politician says this, and another politician says that, and El Salvador says we're having it as as legal tender, and it's brrr, it's all over the place. So that's what makes crypto so crazy. And uh, it's just so new. There's so much innovation. There's so much energy. There's so much hype. There's so much fake news. Uh, and when you, you when you throw all that together in a big maelstrom of a pot of crypto, then it's just it's just bubbling away. Um, and you've got to watch it. You don't get burned when you put your hand in. I would say that's that's why it's so crazy. Yeah, I don't think I could put it any better than that. Okay, that's quite enough of all those questions and all that news. There's a lot for everyone to take in there. We've been pretty straightforward and forthright today. Do your own research, folks. Keep learning. Get Pick a platform and learn. Pick a, pick a cryptocurrency. Look at their white paper. Download it and read it. Yeah. Um, How, however you, much time you've got. Like just yeah. set out each week you'll look into a different cryptocurrency. So at the start of the week, print out the white paper, look into the Cardano, print out the Cardano white paper. The next week, print out the reserve white paper. Like, you can just do it over time as well. It doesn't have to yeah. be rushed. Um, and Jordan and I will keep you up to date and what's going on. Um, tomorrow, we're, this podcast will go out. We've got a phenomenal guest oh. coming up, RSR Ernie. Um, what this guy doesn't know about RSR and Reserve Project, I'm really excited uh, he's an account, fully trained accountant, uh, lives in America, very, oh, just can't wait to record this one and get it out next week. Yeah, I'm excited about this one. Have a great weekend, folks. Adios. Adios. <laughs>